Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. You need internet for it to work. So a few years ago, I was working as a tech support for a security system company. And this was one of the many interesting encounters with customers that I've had. Me equals me, C equals customer. Me. Tech support, this is me, how can I help? Thick southern accent. Customer. Yes, I was just looking to get help with setting up my cameras. Me. I would definitely be happy to help. First, you're going to need to go to the camera and press and hold the WPS button until the LED is flashing blue. Customer. Okay, the little light's flashing. Me. Okay, now I need you to go to your router and press and hold the WAS button for three seconds. Customer. My what? Me. Your router. It's the box for your internet. Customer. But I ordered the Wi-Fi. Me. I'm sorry? I ordered the Wi-Fi. This system was supposed to have Wi-Fi. Facepalm. Yes, the system is Wi-Fi capable, but you need to have internet for it to work. But it's supposed to have Wi-Fi. That's what I paid for. Now this goes back and forth like this for a few minutes. Okay, ma'am. You'll need to get internet for the cameras to work. Customer. Then I just want to send them back. Sure thing. I'll mail you a return label and you can send them back in the same box. Customer. And can you cancel that Wi-Fi? Me, facepalm again. Uh, yeah, I'll cancel the Wi-Fi. Thank you. Click. Oh, man. It seems like there's a certain amount of people out there that just don't understand what Wi-Fi is, what data is, how either one of them work. I mean, I'm no expert on any of them, but I do know that something that's Wi-Fi capable doesn't produce its own signal. Just snatch it out of the atmosphere kind of deal. The Shy Mouse in the Classroom I worked for the IT department at my university while taking classes. It was a nice gig and I got to apply what I was learning in the classroom into real-life situations. Plus getting paid, so perks. I had a ticket come into the queue one day about a mouse cursor that refused to leave the top right corner of the screen, no matter what the professor tried to do. This was one of the hot classrooms that had quite a busy class schedule each day. So I had to wait until the end of the day to go out to the building it was in to service the machine and check out why this cursor wouldn't leave its corner to come out and work. I racked my mind while walking there. Bad mouse, miscalibration, borked operating system, display driver being weird, possession, ghosts, I don't know. I got to the classroom and sure enough, when I logged in and saw the desktop, the mouse cursor was repeatedly dancing on the top right corner. Weird. Nothing I tried fixed the issue. Rebooting, unplugging, plugging in the mouse, replacing the mouse with a known good one. I was about to take the computer back to the IT shop when it struck me. Our school had received a grant from the state a few years back for some tech upgrades in an effort to make it more appealing to students of the modern day, as well as to just get with the times. This upgrade included smart boards. You probably know where this is going, but let's continue. The projector was off but the smart board was still on and connected via USB to the computer. I looked up in the top right corner. The janitor had left a spray bottle hanging off the top right bezel of the smart board, and it was pressing against the board and apparently registering as a cursor redirection input. I removed the bottle and voila! The mouse came out of its shell and was all back to normal. 
I took the bottle to the supply closet, stopped by the ticket reporting professor's office to inform them of the good news. They got a good laugh out of it, as even they hadn't thought to look up a bit to spot the bottle, and hit it back to close the ticket. Gotta love those seemingly complex issues with simple fixes, the root cause of which sometimes had nothing to do with a computer at all. Yeah, I find in most cases, whether it's tech, automotive, carpentry-related, even my retail business, most of the time the solution is a really, really easy, simple fix, and it's something stupid that you wouldn't even think to look for. If you call your phone number from your phone, I'm a junior sysadmin for a small hospital in the middle of nowhere. I spend at least half of my day showing people how to copy links and paste them into browsers and telling people, if you open 40 emails, three large Excel sheets, and two 50-page Word docs all at one time, your computer will crash. Today was a new low. User. I want to test to see if my extension is working, but whenever I call my extension, it doesn't ring through. I keep getting my voicemail. Me. Are you calling from your extension or an outside phone? My extension. It took me a moment to comprehend what he just said and figure out a way to tell him what was going on without telling him he was a freaking idiot. Me. What happens if you call your house phone number from your house phone? I get voicemail. It still didn't seem to connect for him. Me. What happens if you call your cell phone number from your cell phone? User. I get my voicemail. I paused for a moment, waiting for that light bulb moment. User. Oh god, I'm such an idiot. Sorry. I'll try calling my extension from my cell phone. Have a good day. That was very kind of UOP to be gentle like that and kind of drop hints and ask leading questions. Sometimes it takes a little bit of jogging like that to get us to realize that we are our own problem. Core i7 laptop turns into a Core i3 after repair. This happened today. It didn't happen to me, but to a colleague. I work in an IT department of a government university. It happened in the department, and all of us were there. So this student, research fellow, comes to the department and tells my colleague that her laptop isn't working properly, that it's too slow and the screen goes black at times. He's a technical assistant, and as per his job, he starts the basic troubleshooting procedure. He checks the system for malware and updates. Next, he would have performed a disk cleanup, but in between, she interferes and asks him if he could instead provide her with a replacement. The laptops are provided to students from the laptop bank. Upon her insisting, before providing her with a replacement, he needs to make sure that there's a problem with the system. The computer didn't reboot when he was using it, so the screen going black can be a graphic driver issue. So he copies the correct graphic driver file from our local FTP server and installs it. But the driver didn't install. He tries again, and it fails again. This time he reads the error message, which said the driver isn't compatible with this system. At this point, he was confused, so he thought he'll update the driver online by opening the device manager. He usually opens the device manager by going to My PC, Properties, Device Manager, and good for him that he took this route. So when he's in the Properties window, he saw something weird. The processor mentioned was Intel Core i3, but the system we provided to the students were equipped with Intel Core i7. At this point, we asked the student if she got the laptop repaired, and the answer was yes. Seems like when she was home, the campus was closed for students due to corona, she got it repaired from some shady market, and for a very low price. After that ensued an emotional drama, we told her straightforward that this won't work because the laptop wasn't her property and she should have contacted the IT department. 
We didn't find her, maybe, yet. But she's stuck with the same laptop unless the same make and model is available in the laptop bank. Edit. Seems like the matter's settled. We won't be taking any action towards her. She won't be fined. My colleague even installed a fresh copy of Windows on her system and installed all the necessary drivers and software she might need. Yeah, I can kind of see this from a couple different angles. One, I understand when it's frustrating and you're not even in the same town as your university and if they're closed, you can't really do much with IT at that point. You know, if it was just some small buggy issues, maybe they can remote in and do something. But when your screen's blacking out and all that stuff, they really have to be hands-on. And if you need your laptop to work, I can kind of see seeing a repair person outside of the college unless, like they said, it's their uh, policy maybe to not have anybody else but their IT department work on it. I I don't know. Uh, But I can also see the university's stance that, you know, you can't have people outside of our department work on it because you don't know when they're going to do shady stuff like this guy did and swap out processors. So, yeah, always a good idea to call IT first, I guess. There's a ghost. I'm an IT professional and work for a major university in the southeastern United States. I'm a one-man show for two sites with about 90 employees and 100 students. If it's got a plug on the user side of the wall, I get a call. I'm five hours away from the mothership. We do things a bit different because the university doesn't pay for every bell, whistle, or need out here. The faculty have to pay for things out of their own budget that's generated through grants and small-ish stipend for discretionary use. If it ain't in a grant, you have to find another way to pay for it. One of my senior faculty killed some keys on her very old ergonomic split keyboard. It was old, used up, and needed to be replaced. It's a non-inlaid 10-key keyboard that has an ergonomic mouse. Replacement for the keyboard with a new separate 10-key was $75. Add a new mouse and it was $140. This, of course, meant that they're going to save the $65 and just go with the keyboard and 10-key. Cool. I'm sure you're aware this means using two dongles because the maker can't imagine allowing all their devices to talk to one. I swapped out the keyboard, placed a new 10-key, added the new dongle, and went about my day. A week later, the professor comes to me that there's a ghost in her office. The keyboard just randomly types or deletes characters. Cursor walks up the screen. Just random stuff. Even happened when she was on a remote connection. But, but, can never be duplicated when I was in the room. Other people have seen it. At least three. But not me. This professor, gotta love her, is high maintenance at times. I love dealing with her because I tell her what we need to do and she does it, even if she doesn't like it. So, of course, I overlook her frantic cries for help and go when she calls. I have the utmost respect for her. She's at the top level of her field, but trusts the least educated person in the room when he tells her something. Because that's your thing. Finally, she couldn't take it anymore. Random stuff, when I wasn't there. Remember, two sites. She recorded it with her phone, sent me the recording, and went to lunch. I happened to be coming on site when she sent the recording. We met in the parking lot, and I could tell that she was upset by the look in her eyes. I promised I'd go find the issue, or I'd replace all the equipment on her desk. I went in. She's still logged on. Locked offices, so it's okay. I get to work, watch her video. Holy crap! I can duplicate it! I stand up to check it, and the issue stops. I sit back down. As soon as I touch the keyboard, it starts again. I stand, it stops. I sit, it starts. I stand, it keeps going. She's got an adjustable tabletop standing desk. 
She uses it religiously, except when other people are in the room because she's taller than 100% of our staff, so she sits to be on eye level with them. I go to my office four doors away and grab my toolkit since I'm convinced it's stuck caps. Then I see it, her old keyboard. It's on my desk with an inventory notebook laying on top of it. I move the notebook, flip the keyboard over, pull the batteries, and left the carcass laying. Went back to her office and the ghost was gone. From wall to wall, our offices are 48 feet apart. Her computer's on the southwestern wall, my desk is on the northeastern wall. Her old keyboard was two feet in. Two dongles. When she stood, her body blocked the signal from the old keyboard 40 feet away. When she sat, it let the signal in. When I'm in the room, she never sits because we're almost the same height. And she steps aside and lets me drive when there's an issue. There was a ghost. It was me, and my inventory notebook laying on her old keyboard all along. That's amazing that you even found that, that like you even realized what was going on when you got back to your desk. That's funny. I've never had a wireless anything reach that far. Keyboard, mouse, through walls that is. I mean, you know, in one big room I've had a wireless mouse that I used for presentations that I would use to advance slides and things from 30, 40 feet away and it was fine, but uh, yeah, never through walls and stuff. That's amazing. Can you convert a PDF to Word document for me? After the basics of getting the customer name, the school, and the machine details, which she couldn't provide, me. You can do this yourself by finding the PDF in Downloads, highlighting the doc by clicking onto it and right-clicking, and use the Open with Word option. Then you can save it as a Word doc. Customer. Oh, can't you remote in and do that for me? I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> me. Our services are for technical issues, like if you have no option to open with or it comes up with an error when you try to do this. This is a relatively easy task and takes only a couple seconds. Getting a remote set up on your machine would actually take longer, as you said you didn't understand how to provide your machine name. Oh, oh, never mind, I'll log a ticket. <laughs> Me, feel free. I'll provide written instructions to you so you can convert PDFs to Word. Customer. No, no, so you convert it and send it back. Me. We have currently three schools down due to a power outage. It'll take a while for one of us to respond to a low-priority ticket. It'll be quicker if you follow my instructions. In addition, as I explained, this is not a technology fault for us to fix. The standard protocol is to send you written instructions. Anybody that gets the ticket will do that. Customer. I thought you were here to assist us with our job. Never mind. Bye-bye, the administrator who can't do basic tasks. We're here to help you if technology refuses to cooperate and do a task for you, not to remote on and complete that task for you because you don't know how to do it. We can provide you instructions on how to do it, even training, but we will charge. Considering you have worked at the school for over 15 years, you know how to convert a PDF. Don't play dumb with me. If I was having a less stressful day and she provided the machine information, I would have remoted in and showed her and got her to do it and let her know why it's the way it is. Not able to understand basic instructions equals no remote session. Yeah, that's that's just entitlement, laziness, all the above. I don't know. It's just stupid. Why would people assume that that's your job? The building is on fire. Help! I work for a company that takes care of LED walls and displays in hotels and public spaces, stores, etc. I support the playback side of things, ads and videos. I received a call from a customer complaining about their display out in front of their store. It's black, off, 
It's my fault. They're losing a lot of money because they can't play ads. No other issue can be more important than this, like drop everything. It's my fault. I'm personally trying to ruin him. I start going through all the usual troubleshooting steps, but all I can really hear are alarms in the background. But we press on. Me. Okay, go to the control machine. The only monitor in the rack. Customer. Okay, that screen's black too. This is unacceptable. Me. Alright, can you tell me if the computer's on? It's labeled control on the front. Customer. Fine, let me get a flashlight. Me. You're in the server room. Why do you need a flashlight? Customer. There's a fire in the electrical room, genius. The power's out to the whole building, so it's dark in here. Can't you hear the alarms? Me, chuckling. Okay, sir, there's literally nothing I can do without power, but at least we found the source of your problem. The UPS had died because he had cheaped out and decided against our advice to buy one that would last all of three minutes. Again, my fault. He kept going on about this. The computer should stay on. He wouldn't accept my reasoning that the big LED wall also needed power. Just the computer being on via UPS wouldn't fix it. I ended up needing to cut him off and told him to call back when the power was back on. And wouldn't you know it, the system turned back on by itself exactly as designed. We get these about once a week where people get upset and call tech support and are so confused because their computer won't come on when the power is out to the rest of the building. I, uh, Electrical safety is just a game to them. I used to work at a store that sold, but also bought and repaired arcade machines. One day I saw a cocktail-style video game with one of the covers missing, exposing several areas where high voltage would be present. Yes, it was plugged in and running like that. So I go to just unplug it. Dumb and Dumber both protest against unplugging it. I ask them if kids ever come in the store. When they say yes, I explain that there's a high voltage wiring exposed, and the store could get sued if a kid puts his hand in it. Instead of unplugging it and having any further argument with them, I decided to just turn it and move it so the hole is up against the wall. This wouldn't block the player's joystick so people could still play it. I asked where there's wood or plastic we could make an extra cover from, and if one of them would find me a tape measure so that I could measure the empty space. They say they had no idea where any of that would be. Then, of course, Dumb grabs the machine and moves it back to re-expose the hole. Being that the liability aspect is completely lost on them, try to get them to move it to the back because you wouldn't want the customer to think we're trying to sell something we haven't finished repairing, would you? They still insisted that, come hell or high water, the machine was staying right there, plugged in with the boards and wiring exposed. And yes, that included the high voltage for the CRT and from the wall socket, not the 12 volt and 5 volt for the motherboard. I honestly thought about cutting the darn cord off, but then I'd be damaging the store's property, giving Dumb and Dumber something to report. I emailed the owner, but what I didn't realize at the time was that the computer had a common account for everybody, and the owner just had his email signed in on that computer. Therefore, Dumb and Dumber probably just erased it and the owner never saw it. The owner wasn't there for me to get to him, and one of the guys did eventually make a cover to put on there, before the owner came back. So I wish I would have taken a picture and shown it to the owner, except the idiots were standing right there, so it would have been pretty obvious I was taking pictures to show the owner later. Just because they were still there doesn't mean the boss never saw it, but what makes me think he never saw it is that they were just as haphazard and kludgy with their work as before, and still tried to enforce their carelessness on me when I tried to do anything properly in their presence. So basically nothing changed. 
They even took my wouldn't-want-a-customer-to-see-that comment and decided to spite me by putting other machines that were both in terrible cosmetic condition and were barely even functional or didn't work at all. Some also had obvious hack repairs, probably courtesy of Dumb and Dumber, all of which were complete with exorbitant price tags that belonged on collectible arcade machines in near-mint condition, not some crap they found in the parking lot of an arcade on garbage day. The store wasn't known for the quality of customer service, especially their repairs, and they eventually went out of business. I mean, listen, I've had to do repairs in the past where I've had to make parts, and, you know, it's obvious that they're not original, but you try to make them look as neat as possible and things like that, but, yeah, these machines are probably collectibles, or are supposed to be collectibles, and if you just start doing weird hack repairs not soldering wires or whatever. Yeah, that's just that's just bad craftsmanship there. Poor work ethic. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.